Hi, I'm Ben Carlson, and this is a short history of chasing the best performing funds. Vanguard and iShares basically killed the Star Mutual Fund Manager in recent decades. But if anyone deserves that title right now, it has to be Kathy Wood from ARK Investment Management. The track record for her ARK Innovation Fund is unreal. The NASDAQ 100 has been next to impossible to beat these last few years because of the heavy concentration in big tech, yet ARK's performance makes it look quaint by comparison. Since its inception in 2014, ARK is up more than 615% versus a 230% gain for the NASDAQ 100 and a 112% gain for the S&P 500. ARK has been outperforming for a number of years now, but things have really ramped up since the bottom in late March this year. Investors have taken notice based on flows into the funds. Bloomberg's Eric Belchunas recently tweeted, Looks like ARK traded exactly $1 billion today, which is more than Netflix and Disney. They're possibly looking at $600 to $800 million a day in new cash. Only Vanguard does more than that. These numbers are massive for a non-Vanguard, non-iShares fund provider and an active one to boot. And the growth in AUM is even more striking than the fund's performance. While the fund is up 170% or so this year, assets under management are up nearly 900%. Investors have an awful track record when it comes to chasing the hottest funds of the day. So let's take a stroll down mutual fund memory lane to see how this has played out in the past. In his book, Big Mistakes, Michael Batnick profiles Fidelity's Jerry Tsai, who was basically the first star fund manager during the go-go years of the 1960s. This is a time when investors went crazy for mutual funds in general, as assets grew from a little more than $1 billion in 1946 to more than $35 billion by 1967. But Tsai stood out from the crowd. After a streak of outperformance that began in 1958, Tsai saw the number of shareholders in his fund sextuple from 6,000 in 1960 to 36,000 in 1961. By the mid-1960s, he was ready to strike it out on his own, so he left Fidelity. Unfortunately, by the time the bear market of 1968 to 1970 came in, Cy got crushed as momentum stocks got killed. Assets fell 90% over the next few years, and Cy's fund would go on to have the worst eight-year track record of any mutual fund in history to that point. By 1980s, the clear-cut star fund manager was Peter Lynch, and for good reason. From the late 1970s, when he took over the Fidelity Magellan Fund through his early retirement in 1991, Lynch returned 29% per year. Unfortunately, the majority of investors in the fund receive far less than that 29% annual gain. It's been said the average investor in Lynch's fund earned just 7% per year, far less than not only the returns of the fund itself, but the overall market, because they rushed in when performance was good and then redeemed the fund whenever it underperformed. By the tail end of the 1990s, the biggest star fund manager was basically anyone managing a concentrated growth stock portfolio because the investors became so enamored with internet companies. Maggie Mayhar profiled an individual investor in one of these funds in her book, Bull, A History of the Boom and Bust, 1982-2004. to And I quote, Ed Wasserman only took the bait at the very end of the decade. In the spring of 2000, the 50-year-old business writer finally broke down and invested in a high-tech fund. By disposition, I'm a value investor, said Wasserman. I had a lot of skepticism, but finally I succumbed. In the spring of 2000, I went into my local brokerage firm and said to these guys, why did I only make 12% last year when other people are making 40%? And they said, well, we have this very aggressive fund, dot, dot, dot. Unfortunately, that aggressive fund would go on to lose two-thirds of its value once the market went into a freefall after the dot-com bubble popped. Other internet funds fared even worse. The aftermath of that dot-com crash was the lost decade from 2000 to 2009, when the S&P 500 lost close to 10% in total. Ken Hedner didn't have that problem. His CGM focus fund was the best-performing U.S. stock mutual fund in that decade. Morningstar named him fund manager of the decade for the aughts. CGM was up more than 18% annually during a 10-year period when the S&P 500 lost close to 1% per year. The problem is, investors tended to add money after a huge year like 2007 when the fund was up 80%, 2008 
and pull their capital after it was down, like the 48% loss in 2008. That sell low, buy high strategy led to an average investor loss of 11% annually. Let me repeat that. The best performing fund of the decade was up 18% per year, but the average investor in the fund lost 11% annually, meaning they underperformed their own fund by nearly 30%. When asked what went wrong with the flows, Hebner replied, and I quote, a huge amount of money came in right when the performance of the fund is at a peak. I don't know what to say about that. We don't have any control over what investors do, unquote. Following the dot-com flameout and the 2008 crash, investors became enamored with hedge fund-like strategies that could make money in any environment and protect you with lower volatility. It's a great sales pitch, especially when investors are so focused on environments where they can lose money. The mainstay market field fund was a huge beneficiary of this investor demand. After losing just 13% in 2008, a year in which the S&P 500 lost close to 38%. And when the fund then beat the S&P by 9% during the 2009 snapback rally, investors piled in at an alarming rate. Assets in the fund ballooned from just $34 million at the start of 2009 to more than $21 billion by 2014. Of course, that money poured in just in time for the fund to underperform the market by more than 25% from 2014 to 2016. Assets left just as quickly as they rushed in, going from $21.4 billion as a high in 2014 to about $160 million today. To be fair, I don't know for sure if Kathy Wood will experience a similar drop-off in performance. Size is the enemy of outperformance, but you never know these things. However, I am fairly confident that investors who are now piling into the fund will almost certainly underperform the actual fund's performance itself. ARK simply cannot outperform at this pace forever. There's bound to be a misstep, or the style will simply fall out of favor for an extended period of time. Many of the investors chasing the hot dot will head for the exits at that point. Investors don't have a great track record when it comes to chasing the hottest fund of the day. I hate to be that person, but I've seen this movie before, and it ends with a behavior gap. For more from me, check out a wealthofcommonsense.com.